yeah, I'd say it was in that that time frame, you know, in the in the mid '80s, as I was becoming a teenager, and what just came to mind, you know, it was like punk rockers versus the yuppies. That was those were the sort of stereotypical groups. That was Bowen Dwelly. I'm Jeff, and this is Story San Francisco. Every week on this podcast, you'll hear from artists, entrepreneurs, writers, and San Franciscans from all walks of life, telling stories, sharing personal histories, and trying to put into words what makes this city so special. Welcome to episode 43, part one. Bowen grew up on the border of Liberty Hill and Noe Valley, up at Sanchez and Hill Streets. In this podcast, which we recorded up there, he takes us through the journey of his youth, a trip that involves paper routes, skateboarding, open-air drug markets, and the strange disappearance of a high school friend. Here's Bowen. Sure, yeah, well, right here in the geographic center of San Francisco, um, Hill and Sanchez is where I grew up and spent, you know, the most of my youth, like um, elementary school, middle school, high school. Um, And it is right in the center of the city. You know, these days, like if you're hanging out in the Mission, let's say, down on Valencia Street, you know, it's like four or five blocks from where I grew up, you know. Although, you know, most people on Valencia Street would never find themselves at the top of this hill. Uh, Yeah, I I lived down there for for a while and I only came up here. I I would usually walk up 20th Street because that's where I lived. But I never came up all the way up here, and yeah. the views are amazing. It's and pretty, right? It's really cool. It's pretty, yeah. It's a very classic old San Francisco neighborhood. Um, and I grew up here. We moved into the house on the first house on Hill Street there in probably '76 or '77, um, when I was six or seven years old. And um, you know, it was that '70s San Francisco. It was low key and um, pretty quiet and kind of you know blue collar, some white collar, um, not a fancy neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Certainly a nice neighborhood geographically, um, and um, you know very. Oh, you know there was plenty going on. You know for the the kids in the neighborhood. You know lots of joy rides in the older brothers' Mustangs and. You know, we could go down to uh, 24th Street to get a slice of pizza and that sort of thing. And we all had paper routes. I mean, I had routes all over the top of this hill. On bike or? Uh, I mean, the thing is, the hills are so steep up here that it's kind of hard to do do it on a bike. Uh, I I did, you know, once in a while. But, you know, again, super steep hills, so I had to do most of it on foot. Yeah. Once in a while, I got lucky and my dad would uh, take me around in the station wagon like on a Sunday morning, you know. Is that as the paper route how you got really, really got to know the neighborhood and got to know? Um, yeah, I mean that was you know paper route was like eight or nine years old, um, and yeah, it's true because that's I would be out like early in the morning by myself, kind of exploring the neighborhood. It's true, and at a you know a young age. I mean these days I don't know. Do you let an eight year old outside of the house even? Uh, probably not. <laughs> Is that permitted without like a bubble? You know. I'm not sure, right? Um, but that, that I think that speaks to the difference. Yeah. Then and now. Right, right. Yeah. Although you know, paper routes are very—they're very small. So really, pro- probably because I don't know, little kids do them or used to. <laughs> you know, 
So it's like you go two blocks in one direction, two blocks the other direction. You're not going real far. And so the fact is, like at that age, 24th Street down there at the bottom was the kind of the the extent of the neighborhood. And I don't really remember going uh, south of there. Oh, interesting. You know, as a kid, and that you know that was kind of like the outer Noe Valley. It, it probably it got a little sketchy even as you got out towards what we call Noe Courts out there, mm-hmm. towards 30th and that sort of thing. Okay. And, um, you know, and of course, like you did not go east of Dolores Street. That was like completely off limits. Um, in the other direction, the Castro was definitely kind of, it, it was very connected with the Castro. Mm-hmm. And so we would go down the hill to catch the uh, Muni Metro there at the Castro station. Oh, yeah. 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 So how, so would you say you, you got to know San Francisco and got to know the neighborhood just from being, a, just being a kid and being out? a lot yeah yeah and then um you know skateboards oh yes skateboards of muni you know that's what you get good at growing up in the city right and um as soon as i i you know i i had a little money for my paper out so i must have gone and bought a skateboard and um started riding it around and and yeah i took the bus everywhere too you know we would go down to uh the arcade at, you know, second and um, I mean, down there in the old Transbay Terminal, right, oh. to play video games in the arcade. We would go down Market Street to take the uh, cable car across to Pier 39 to go to the arcade there and ride the bumper cars. And, um, you know, this is still like when I was 9, 10, 11, that sort of thing. And then, you know, as I got more into middle school... We started roaming, you know, farther around the city. We had skateboards and bus passes, and, you know, you could just go anywhere. You ever combine the two and hang, hang on to the back of the bus on your skateboard? Yeah, you know, we didn't do that a whole lot. There's a lot of people maybe think that happens a lot, but um, the fact is it's, it's usually faster just to ride your skateboard than to hook onto the bus because <laughs> right. you all know that the average speed of Muni is seven miles per hour, right? So... I could skateboard a lot faster than that. Yep. Um, and you wouldn't have to stop as much and wait for people to get on. Yeah. <laughs> so we would just, you know, we would, there are certain routes in certain neighborhoods that give you access to excellent streets. Like you're looking for that fresh asphalt and interesting features, like in terms of the curbs and driveways and little banks and stuff like that. And so... You know, we would use those bus routes like lifts and just take them up and get off and skate down and then like maybe do another lap, you know, or, or many. Awesome. This must have been the 80s. Like you were a teenager in the 80s. Yeah, probably. exactly. I was born in 70. Yeah. So this would be now like, yeah, the exactly early mid 80s. When you first kind of started becoming aware of what kind of town this is mm. or, or, or sorry, what you know, what kind of town it was back then, how, about how old were you? And, and so what era was that and and what was the city like yeah i'd say it was in that that time frame you know in the in the mid 80s as i was becoming a teenager and what just came to mind you know it was like punk rockers versus the yuppies that was those were the sort of stereotypical groups and you know there was the there were groups in uh, in certain parts of town i mean like in the mission there were gangs at the time and you know, uh, other, but but it was yeah. In in my world, it was kind of like, are you, you know, are you punk or are you gonna are you gonna roll over and, you know, are you a yuppie? That was the term. Remember yuppies? I know probably oh, not. Oh yes, of co- <laughs> of course. 
I'm going to let you say which one you were. <laughs> which side you fell on. Yeah, well, I didn't really take sides. I mean, I, I've, uh, we talked about this, you know, when, when we met up a few months ago, how like the Venn diagram of my life. So it definitely includes both. And, um, you know, I learned the, the ways of, uh, capitalism let's just say from a very early age you know with that paper route and even starting a business with my little buddy zach when i was nine years old and um so i you know i learned how to make money and that it was useful um and what were you guys doing may I ask? uh zach and i were selling uh, dungeons and dragons equipment which is books and dice yes that's it that's it books and dice and you know all the little dice are all multicolored and like mm-hmm. i still have those books by the mm-hmm. way like the original editions mm-hmm. monster manual and all that yeah, yeah. and the player's handbook yeah. the dungeon master's guide that's yeah. the one you need though to you know really <clears throat> be the master <laughs> i'm letting my dork side show too but um oh, no, that's awesome so you guys you guys peddled that stuff you like go to get it at hobby stores and then no, man, we, we were incorporated. We had a wholesale account oh. with TSR Games. Wow. We, you know, would take orders and kind of batch them up until we had enough stuff. And then we'd place a wholesale order, get the stuff, bring it all to school, deliver our orders. Yeah. That's rad. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you called it capitalism, and I, I think that's probably what it is. But for, for a kid, it's also independence, right? That's right. Exactly. I mean, the thing is, um, you know, art and business... If you take a minute to define like what 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 defines a successful artist, right? Um, that's yeah. what do, a successful There's, artist creates something unique. People respond to from folks. that's an expression of their personal uniqueness, unique creativity that other people value. Right. I would define an entrepreneur or a small business person exactly the right. same way. Right, right. Right. And to be a successful artist, you have to figure out how to sell your work. And you pretty much are by definition an entrepreneur, unless someone else is selling your work for you, you know? Right. So, you know, the, the whole separation between, or, you know, like there, there, to my mind, there is no side there, you know, there's nothing wrong with making money and understanding how, the system works that is how the system works right if you kind of want to be free in america you know you you need to know how to do that that's that's part of it for sure need some moolah. yeah and also I, I was just thinking like art uh creates something expressive but people often use it for utilitarian purposes and capitalism could be like thought of almost in the reverse like these utility, these very practical things, this, you know, materialism. But mm-hmm. people, who, the creators of those things, inject. They, they express themselves. Right. Exactly. I mean, we're wearing T-shirts. You know, it's like, are these objects of capitalism, consumerism, or are they pieces of art? I mean, they're both. Right. right. So. Um, so 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 definitely both, you know, and that is in terms of those worlds, you know, that I was aware of and even operated in, so to speak, even, you know, from a young age. And and um, that's just how I am. Like, I never really fully identified with any one world, one thing. I resisted that. Not even skating? Skateboard? Were you, were you consider, consider yourself a skater? Yeah, I was a skater, but I, you know, I wasn't like one of those kids that, 
you know, everyone recognizes a skater. Right. You know, it was something I did. It was one of my one of my things. So, like, if you didn't have your skateboard with you at the time, people might not have known that you're that you even do it. Yeah, I was pretty attached to me for many years. <laughs> that's for like, sure. That would never happen. <laughs> I know. I can yeah. still feel it in my hand, you yeah. know. But <laughs> do you still ride? No, man. I I gave away my last skateboard several years ago to a younger person. Let's go back then. Uh, I, I guess do you want to talk about like your high school years? Anything sure. Going on for you and or uh, stuff in the city that you remember. Mm-hmm. So now we're, I, I guess we're talking like mid to late eighties kind of stuff. Yeah, mid to late eighties. Yeah, I started high school in nineteen eighty three. Graduated in nineteen eighty seven. Um, high school here in the city. I mean, high school is an exciting time, you know. And I was I was just with a, a friend's son who just turned fourteen. I took him backpacking in the Sierras for a few days, and he started high school today. Actually, so I got to sort of revisit that age, you know, through being with him. And it's, I mean, what an amazing time, right? And we were all exploring the city. You know, we had great freedom, you know, to roam around anywhere. And, um, of course, you know, new schools, high school and all this stuff. And the music scene and you know so many things right and at the same time um high school public high school i mean i went to lowell high two years and then switched and and graduated from mcateer high so i did two years at both and um i mean the most prominent thing about high school here in the city for me was that it was like a drug supermarket it was it was like an open air drug supermarket all right. It wasn't like that. It was. Right. <laughs> what drugs are we talking about? Um, well, it's California. So even then you had quality cannabis from Northern California. You know, a lot of a lot of parents were growers, actually, um, in their spare time. So, like, the connected kids had the good weed at high school. And then psychedelics, mushrooms, and LSD, cocaine, speed, alcohol, um, that was kind of, yeah. That's all where it started. So you, you had know. some fun. In yeah, high school. yeah. I mean, right? Exactly. We all did, you yeah. know, with with a lot of that stuff, a lot. Um, but you know, too much, way too much, okay. <laughs> way too much. You learned that. <laughs> yeah, eventually. Yeah, eventually. I mean, it really took a long time, and I and I would, you know, I emphasize that because it was such a a big feature of of those years and subsequent years and, and in a lot of, you know, in my life and in a lot of my friends' lives, you know, and, um, I mean, I have this photo that, that always comes to mind from, yeah, I was only 16 in that photo because I still had long hair. I cut that long hair the summer, the summer I was 16. And there's about 10 of us in that photo and half of those kids died before they were 21. Wow, just from excess? Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay, it was a time. You mentioned uh, you mentioned music mm-hmm. as we're talking about high school. So, like, what kind of what venues and what uh, touring bands and what local bands? Yeah. Well, those were the days of hard rock, right? Before metal. You know, Metallica are about, you know, those guys are about the same age as me, maybe just a little older. So when they finally came, started to come out, you know, then it was like metal. But before that, you know, we had Black Sabbath, 
Let's just say we have Black Sabbath. That's really <laughs> all we need to say. <laughs> right? And um, no, and of course, you know, the ACDC and like the Scorpions and uh, Aerosmith and <clears throat> um, Thin Lizzy and all those bands, you know, came through San Francisco. Um, Judas Priest, you know, I saw some of them. Um, but frankly, I was too fucked up, actually, a lot of the time to go to a lot of these shows, uh, which is a real shame. And then on the other hand, you know, there were all these small clubs with, you know, a very active West Coast and like San Francisco punk rock scene. And I, you know, went to a ton of shows at the farm in particular, because I, I guess that was, you know, it's kind of on this side of town. Like mm -hmm. we could go in a pack and skateboard down lower 24th Street. Um, and if there were enough of us, we, you know, we would make it to the farm, which is at the foot of 24th there at like, uh, Potrero and Utah kind of mm -hmm. in that zone there. Mm -hmm. Um, and we would see Black Flag and MDC and the Circle Jerks and, you know, some other bands that came up from LA and vice versa. Nice. Yeah. What other venues? Um, B for a big or small? Cause you mentioned some big bands. Yeah, yeah. Well, in between, you know, you had places that I was a little, I wasn't super tuned into. Maybe I was just a little bit young, but, you know, like the Mab, you know, Mabuhay Gardens and um, what was the place on Hate Street? Sorry, with an O. I, I, uh, there was some club on Hate Street that, you know, uh, and then, you know, just like bars, essentially, like Bottom of the Hill and the Night Break, which is also on Hate Street and that sort of thing. So a lot of friends were in bands, like pretty much everybody was in a band. Um, except for me, uh, and you know, not everybody. And, uh, so a lot of it was like, we would go see friends bands, you know, when they were playing out, right. right kind right. of thing. Gasm. Great band. All right, any, anything else about your, your high school years you want to talk about before we move on? High school years. Well, I will tell you the story about this, this guy, Aaron Strang, who, um, was one of the most interesting cats that I knew at Lowell High. Yeah, so Lohai, you know, there was this crew of us there that hung out in the pit, which was this like that was the heart of the supermarket that I that I <laughs> mentioned. And um Aaron Strang was this very interesting cat, you know, typical, like very gifted, very bright guy, and also very much into psychedelics and like eating as much L S D as he could. Um and um he, you know, his behavior got more and more erratic, basically. And, you know, we were all a little bit worried about him. But what do you do? You're 14, you know, the kid's 15. It's like, we're, it's nothing, I don't, we didn't know what to do. At some point, he disappeared from high school. And I never heard from him again. Many years later, I was on Hayden Fillmore, where there was a house that some friends had that we would always hang out at. And one night it was very clear that there was a party happening across the street at another house and the doors open, you know, and there were just people going in and I thought, look, I'm just going to go to this other party, you know, and just see who's there. And I went into this other party and the girl whose house it was, was at the top of the stairs. We met and connected immediately within 45 minutes. We were screwing in her bedroom, you know, great. Jenny Moore was her name, right? She worked at North Beach Pizza. And then some weeks later, I was at her flat again, and she had mentioned 
you know, that she had a couple roommates and there was one that I hadn't met. So I go over to her flat and she's like, oh, great, you can meet Charles. You know, I said, cool, whatever. And I go into the kitchen. She introduces me to Aaron Strang, except as Charles. And this cat had resurfaced from whatever multi-year acid trip he had gone on, taken a new name, which was probably a good idea, you know, to maybe sort of draw a line uh, with the past. And um, it was a little bit of a shocker for the both of us. But he was alive, you know, he was alive. That was good. (laughs) That was Bowen Dwelly. Join us Thursday when Bowen will talk about his life after high school. Music for the podcast is by Otis McDonald. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. You can find all our episodes on our website, storiedsf.com. While you're there, please help support what we do by going to our store page and choosing from several different pledge levels. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or wherever you subscribe to listen to podcasts. We're on YouTube now, so please subscribe there as well. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor and rate and review the show, please. And lastly, if you have any feedback or potential guests for us, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.